As most of you know, our other side gig is the Colorado Classic Futurity and Maturity that was just held last week. We were able to sit down with two of our most requested guests together, Brandon Collins and Emily Eford. And it was a fun, laid-back look into the lives of these two incredible trainers and their program. Brandon has won over a million dollars in his career with countless big-time wins and big-time horses trained on his resume. Emily was a WPRA Rookie of the Year turned fraturity trainer, and both of them combined won over $100,000 between our event and the Ruby Buckle the following week. This will definitely be an episode we try to have a follow-up for, so once you listen, if you have any more questions, send them our way. Speaking of the Colorado Classic, our friends over at BarrelRacing.com were on site and live streamed the entire event. So visit BarrelRacing.com and you can go back and watch the Colorado Classic. Today's episode is brought to you by SmartPack. Learn more at the commercial break or visit their website at SmartPack.com. That's S-M-A-R-T-P-A-K.com. This week, we are at the Colorado Classic in Montrose, and I was able to con Emily Eford and Brandon Collins to doing a podcast with me by giving away some t-shirts. <laughs> so thank you guys for making time to talk to me this week. Thanks for having us. Yep. How's your trip been so far? This is your first time up here, right? Yes. Uh, I drove almost the whole way. Yes, you did. <laughs> Is that normally what happens? Yeah. You drive? Because he drives so slow and I can't, I can't deal with it. But no, it was good. It was a good drive. We drove straight through, went kayak, or no, not kayaking, rafting. rafting. <laughs> went to, what was that town? Uran? Yep. So you've got Horsey to do some stuff. things, not mm-hmm. just barrel race. Yep. Do you normally get time when you come to places to like do things? Or no. Is it, no. Yeah. <laughs> this has been really nice. <laughs> to show up, just yeah. do your things and then leave. Yeah. We, how, how many horses did you guys bring? Five. Yeah, we planned, well, it was like a month or two ago we decided, like we're coming up a couple days early to do, I guess it's our vacation, since we don't take vacations. <laughs> there you go. Well, good. I'm glad you guys finally made it up here. I know you've tried a couple of different years, but finally made it. Um, but yeah, we are just here to kind of talk about your story. You've been one of our most requested guests, and I know you really don't like doing these, Brandon. <laughs> but I'm excited to have both of you on here. Um, you know, we were talking, we haven't really had uh, many duos on the podcast, let alone um, you guys are engaged now and work together and ride together. And I can only imagine that because like... <laughs> We, my husband and I don't do like the podcast well, and we don't even work during it. So, um, so let's just start with the like your guys's backgrounds, I guess. Like, tell us a little bit from each of you, like how you grew up and got into barrel racing. You go first. Oh no, I started riding when I was probably fourteen or fifteen, and then I don't know. Went to like a four H show, and they had barrel racing there, and I wanted to do that. Then I wanted to rope, but couldn't find anybody to rope. And then I just kind of kept doing the barrel racing and met a woman that did it and kind of rode around with her for a while and then kind of figured out the futurity thing. And I was pretty terrible at it for a long time. but And I didn't want to get a real job, so I just kept riding horses and then worked for my dad for a while spreading lime. And they kind of really tried to get me away from the horses, and it didn't really work. So kind of just went from there. What drew you to horses at 14 or 15? I guess when I was real young, my aunt had horses at the our farm. I grew up on a farm in Maryland. There was about 200 acres, and they just 
soybeans, corn, and we grazed tobacco, which is awful. But then, um, so we did that. But um, they had horses when I was real young, got rid of them. And then about then, another aunt, that um, she got like trail horses, then kind of like kind of Western pleasures horses. And then went from there and just wanted to ride around the farm at first and then got bored with that and then kind of got more into it that way. So your parents weren't really involved in it at all? That's how I grew up. It was all my aunt's fault. They yeah. showed jump. My mom and dad had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it about barrel racing that you liked over, obviously you tried to rope, but kind of just e easier to barrel race then? Well, there was nobody that like... Well, I had, we had 4-H steers, too, at the time. A friend uh -huh. of my dad's family had those, and it kind of had that. And we raised a couple cows, like four or five, maybe. And I remember trying to rope one in a round pen and tie it on and everything, and I couldn't do it. And it was a good thing, because, like, you know, God, what's that saying? God takes care of fools and idiots or something <laughs> like that. I think that would have been an absolute disaster if it fell on. But um, I couldn't find anybody that actually did it anywhere near me so then it kind of just went more to barrel racing and I mean now I wouldn't change it at all and where was that at southern Maryland okay it's like an hour south of DC where I'm at was barrel racing big up there or was it more like the play days like you, through the 4-H and youth stuff well the, like there's like 4-H from like 20 minutes from my house they had this 4-H show like three or four of them a year and they had barrels there and I remember there was a not a clinic but like a horse camp thing and the guy that doing it said don't grab the saddle horn. You're losing time when you're doing that. Which in reality, I mean, you didn't, you didn't need to grab the saddle horn. They weren't turning at all. It was just <laughs> or you were going slow loping slow. that big circles around a barrel. But then there was like MVHA stuff there. Okay. And um, that kind of got bigger. Well, that was there. And I kind of found that through that other woman. that I think my dad had met her at a feed store. And um, started going with her some. And they had the, just the uh, MVHA stuff. Which there is, like, when I first started, they get maybe, they had one local show that they'd get, like, maybe 100 or so at. But mostly when we were there, it's probably 40 50, to 60. Yeah. Sometimes they'd have, like, they'd have pretty good, like, weekend shows that mm -hmm. people come from, like, Virginia and Pennsylvania and that area. They'd kind of all come to one. And we get, I don't know, 150 or so mm -hmm. in the weekend ones. Okay. But they had pretty good shows like that. So a lot of jackpots. And then how did you get into the fraternity side of things? Well, that woman kind of had colts Okay. And, um, like, she'd go some. And then that's kind of how I wanted to, to do, which we bought some colts from this guy in Tennessee for, like, pretty cheap and because I couldn't afford a, another horse. But... It's like Guns of, guns and Blazing, the one we were talking about. Oh, no, no, horse. that one was years <laughs> later. But, um, no, this one is, I don't even remember what its name was. But anyway... Uh, we bought a couple from that guy, and I guess I was trying to train a colt because I couldn't afford an older one, and then kind of got that, saw what that was about, and liked that more. And then they talked like, "Oh, that's the people that make money doing this, do this." But then so like, I mean, obviously that was another lie. That <laughs> <laughs> you just circulate money, you don't really make it. But I don't know. And then I kind of, I don't know. I like training, I guess, and then competing that way. I, I don't know, just liked it I guess I really can't give you a good answer there yeah what about you Emily um my grandparents had horse, like just riding horses a little bit of cutting and reining horses and it's kind of same thing there was a lady in our town that that barrel race and I rode with her and I, like I went to college because I didn't know what else to do <laughs> I rodeoed some knew I didn't really want to do that and then 
Didn't you rodeo know. before college? Mm-hmm. And you went to rookie before yeah, college? Yeah, but I knew I didn't want to keep doing that. Oh. Okay, God. let's back up. We can't just say, hmm, I barrel raced some, I rodeoed some, <laughs> and like bypass winning rookie and everything. So back up. Where did you grow up? Pittsburgh, te- Pittsburgh without an H. Pittsburgh, Texas. Okay, I was like, you're from up there too? <laughs> That's why I do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So in Texas, so you grew up more around rodeo yeah. and barrel mm-hmm. racing and everything. Yeah. Like there's a, actually there's a UPRA, an amateur rodeo in my town. And I, that's how I got into barrel racing because I saw that and thought it was cool. Was your parents in it? No, my mom and my dad don't have anything to do with my horses, but my grandparents, they had some cutters and reiners and just like ranch horses, using horses and cattle. So it skipped a generation. Definitely. And, then, <laughs> and my brother, <laughs> the far opposite of a horse person. Wants nothing to nothing. do with it. That's so funny. He rode, we had this little pony. I think it had broken its leg 30 years before we had it. It had a little waddle, but he would ride that pony around and fall off of it and get back on. That was, a, that, that was about the extent of it about it so when you went through the ranks did you high school rodeo college rodeo and then decide to test the pro waters like what led you to that before you found out that you actually don't like to rodeo (laughs) (laughs) so i did i high school rodeoed um i pro rodeoed my well i was 18 my rookie year i think i was like 18 19. i had a couple really nice horses they weren't mine so it's just kind of one of those deals like i which, oh yeah, well one was mine and it got hurt and then the other two weren't mine. It was kind of one of those deals, like the ho- the horses went back to, you know, their owners and kind of didn't know what to do, so I went to college. What did you go to college for? Business administration. So oh. no- nothing. <laughs> How is that doing for you right now? I well, mean, she does the QuickBooks. So. I mean, there you I go. Do, I do billing. Yeah, so, so. there's that. <laughs> Hey, that, that's better than a lot of trainers' programs. A lot of trainers don't focus on any of the business yeah. side. So uh, at least at least you guys have that going for you. Yeah. So you won Rookie of the Year? Uh-huh. That in year? 2012. And how was, like, I'm really surprised that you had that much success right off the bat and then decided you didn't want to do it. It was beginner's luck. Like, what, what so, about it? Like, kind of walk us through it a little bit. Like, what about that whole experience made you not want to go back or was it just realizing that like this is probably a lot harder than my first year indicated so the well, the horse i won rookie of the year on had already been to the nfr with angie metters fantasia fame oh okay so like she had been there done that like was super easy just kind of one of those dumb luck things like it was some friends of ours that they just weren't using it and they were like oh your horse is hurt do you want to do you want to ride fanny i was like yes yes please (laughs) I don't know, like it was fun. I kind of thought I wanted to keep doing it, but it was just being gone. Mm-hmm. It costing so much, not winning that much. I get, well, in theory, I think I won 50,000 my rookie year, and I think at the end of the year we figured it and we spent like 82. So it was like, well, my grandparents were completely supporting me at the time. Like I knew it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. Just, I don't know. Like, I've been to some rodeos since then, along Cornerstone, and like a couple other horses we've had just here and there, but I have no desire to go down the road. Like, I love being home. I don't even want to go out to restaurants half the time. Like, he has to make me, like, well, we need to go to dinner tonight. I love being home. That's funny. And, I mean, that's something we've had a lot of listeners be like, you know, everybody wants to hear about the finance side of it, which 
a lot of people don't like to share the finance side of it, but like at the end of the year, how much do they actually mm -hmm. make or how much do they not make? And like, yeah, there and you go. It my, costs a lot more than you win. And my grandma, like she was all in, like they, they wanted me to keep doing it. And like, they would have kept supporting me, but I, it didn't make sense for, like, I didn't have a way to pay my way through. So it was just kind of one of those things. Like it was, it was great. Like I learned a lot about people, horse, horses, ground, mm -hmm. like bad and good. So at that point through your career, like, did you always have a horse that you could like rodeo on that was kind of finished or were you also training your own? Like, how did you go into the training aspect of things. So like I had trained horses, but I never fraternity. Like it was one of those deals. We had older horses. We'd, we bred a couple, but we didn't get them broke. It's kind of the old school, you know, you don't mm -hmm. break them until they're three or four because it's not good for them and yeah. all that. <laughs> kind of one of those deals. And I never thought about going to fraternities. Like just had, had young horses and trained them, but I didn't start training fraternity horses till really like after college. I had a couple, I had a couple of my horses and a couple outside horses in college, but it just never, none of them were good enough or I wasn't good enough to make, <laughs> make it to the fraternities. I mean, my mind wasn't really on training horses in college, so I think it was after college I got a little more serious about it. You're like, we're gonna have to. I gotta figure something out. Do something. <laughs> when did you, did you stay up in the Northeast for like a good start of your career, Brandon? Mm -hmm. Or did you, when did you, cause you live in Texas now, right? Yep. When did you come down to Texas or did you mainly train out of the Northeast for a while? Uh, we moved to Dublin about a year and a half ago. It'll be two years, two September, years September, October. Oh, so really recent actually. Yeah. Um, but like I would go, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2015 or 16 something like that I started going to in the winters I would go to Unadilla Georgia you know Bob Hamilton has the freestyle mm -hmm. exercisers he has a place in Georgia in Unadilla and that's where I would stay in the winter oh, okay and um so f to, we went there for a few years three or four years and she came with me to the, like what last year or two I was there mm -hmm. for the two winters years, yeah. and then we started going to Texas and staying just because it was it's still a long drive from Georgia to all the other fraternities. Yeah. So then we started going there, and then um, then we moved out here. Just got tired of driving. Yeah, from that side of the country, almost every mm -hmm. big fraternity, you yeah. have how many extra hours? A lot. It was like two like, days for most of them. What it take us? Three, uh, took us three days. We left Fizzbaum and drove, went out straight back. But from there back, and it was three uh, days. Yeah, three days. Oh yeah. Three to two and a half, so something like that. When did you two meet and start riding or training together? 17? I'll answer for you. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to no, say. Probably doesn't know. Let's see if you guys have yeah. the same answers. It was 17. I remember. Where is Louis? Yeah. But Louis is gone in Oklahoma City. So you've been together since 17. Where, did you guys start dating mm -mm. right away? Or was it like? No, it was a while. We, friends we met early 17 or 16. Or I don't know. We met, and then so we were both dating someone else. So it was kind okay. of one of those deals, like through mutual friends met, and then later on, just we happened to be single. And I actually Facebook messaged him <laughs> through the DM. Yeah, yeah, I was the aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and then it's been pretty good ever since then. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your training program now and how you guys kind of evolved to riding together. 
Um, <clears throat> do you have different training styles, different horses you take? Do you all ride the same horses? Like, tell us a little bit about your program now and how you make it work. We have like separate horses, kind of separate owners for the most part. Okay. But we will definitely get on each other's horses all the time. Mm -hmm. Like if we're struggling with something or a lot of times if one's being shitty and we see like one or the other getting kind of irritated, Man. we'll just swap. Like the other one will come out and just take it just so you don't get in a start a fight or something. But like I think some things that I'm better at, uh, she's not and then vice versa some things that she's better at and I'm not then we when we hit a wall with a colt we'll swap or she'll ride one of mine for a week or two then I'll get back on it and same vice versa what are some of those things like what what would you think are like your stronger suits versus like your stronger suits I don't know what my strong suits are yeah. um I don't know it's, it's just one of those things if we're struggling with something like hey can you get on this horse and see if you can just different get it yeah. better yeah. yeah or like even today when you, i think too like one thing that i'm better at is getting them picked up and moving forward mm -hmm. and she's better at getting one backed off and coming like on their hind end more okay so like we'll swap that around too yeah one gets to go in too strong and you can My get it back hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah hey you know what you have to be able to balance it yeah. so at least you have that <laughs> Um, are there different style? Like, do you guys think that you have similar styles or do you feel like you ride a little bit differently when you train versus compete? We've talked about that. So I'm like, it seems the times I feel like it, he helps me the most is when he tunes and schools on my horses for however long, but I still feel like I need to get on him a day or so before I run mm -hmm. just cause we, I feel like we probably train somewhat similar just or I, I don't know, I try to train like him and get better, but like we still run different. Like his, yeah. our hands are different. Like the way we I hold our body. Yeah. Yeah. You can prepare the same. Like Cody's always, always mm -hmm. said that to me. He said, you can show somebody to prepare a horse exactly how you do, but they're not going to run the same as mm -hmm. you. Yeah. So they have to, you kind of have to figure out how to work it towards how you ride. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably where that change comes in. Like mm -hmm. you can't, I've never just straight up tuned a horse and handed it to her at the alleyway yeah same with vice versa yeah like you i think i don't know, you put the foundation of what you're trying to do in and then you still have to change it to how you ride fine details yeah. so that horse reacts the same to the the way you're going to pull on it as opposed to the way i would pull on it mm -hmm. so walk us through a little bit like how do you guys kind of structure your program do you get your horses in as two-year-olds um, do you more so send them to like a cult starter for a bigger part of their foundation and then get them in their three-year-old year? Like how do you like to prepare for the fraternities now? We usually get them, I like the cult starter to have them like 30, 60 days, no more 90 really. Okay. I think more closer to 60. Mm -hmm. um, then some, depending on when we get them from them, we'll ride them couple months and then if it's early two-year-old we'll give them a break for a month or so and if it's later then we'll give them like a week or two break here and there and kind of keep going and not really cram on them but get them pretty solid knowing the idea but not miserable about it but not like not make it too much like work and then spring of the three-year-old years is probably when we start really going all like start an exhibition a little bit or going harder on the barrels 
And do you normally aim for like the four-year-old fraternities or do you really care at this point? Uh, in theory, I don't care, but because I, I mean, now even Fort Smith has a five-year-old, mm-hmm. but you're only missing the juvenile, the slot race at, at the BFA and then um, yeah, and any other BFA races, I guess. They're most everything else is five-year-old now, but I don't know. Have I ever ran a five-year-old? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think so. We have. She has one this year. In Chico, I've had. Oh, yeah, I guess two, two yeah. nice five-year-old fraternity horses, but like, well, no, not Sturgill. I took them in thinking they were going to be ready for the four-year-olds, and they just. Not Sturgill. Sturgill was four oh, when yeah, we, we got him. Oh yeah, we didn't get him till the end of his four-year-old. Yeah, it was the yeah. summer of his four-year-old. Yeah, we yeah. didn't plan on futurity in him at really. At all, yeah. That's that the slick she had that okay. placed it. The. Ruby Buckle, that was his first futurity, also his first time in a stall. This is his third overnight trip. <laughs> oh, wow, there you go. <laughs> he, I mean, he's, the reason he was entered in the futurity is because we figured it up on paper. It was going to cost us more than 500 to stay an extra three or four days for the Open. So I was like, well, we'll just put him in the futurity and roll his time to the Open so we can leave earlier. Me and, me there and you Michelle go. had talked about, my best friend that owns him, like, it's, you know, 0.75 seconds off, and he'd been getting... Like bottom of the one D some, sometimes a second or two off. Like like had a shot to get the two D, but never thought like he should be the one D. Well, this will be a good seasoning trip. Yeah, yeah. a week here, yeah. couple, a couple days in Utah, and then you can go back home. And in the East, there's a lot of probably BFA approved mm-hmm. events, right? So yeah. just kind of four year olds and yeah. And I've always done it done it that way. Never really thought about five year olds. I guess, I don't know, most of the owners are that way. I guess they don't want an extra year in them, yeah. mm-hmm. and they start quicker. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever really I – mean, I'm sure I've ran some five-year-olds here and there, but I've never really had one the whole like way start through. start finish, yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like it's one of those deals. You ride the horse, and I feel like I plan to run it as a four-year-old, and if I don't think it should, then I just say that. Yeah. I have one or two three-year-olds now that I kind of am thinking about holding. Yeah. That probably wouldn't have years past, but now that there's so much to run at S5s, I probably will. Yeah, I feel like that's been a, a positive change as far as the ages go because there is so much money mm-hmm. that, you know, there's at least that option when before it's like, oh, no, they get hurt or something, like yeah. you're yeah, out, yeah. you know, if you don't run by that. And even now, even if you ran in just the last half of their five-year-old year, yeah, like there's, there's so much. much money to go um as <clears throat> when was kind of like the first time you because you said you started out on horses that like super cheap because that's all you could afford when did you start getting into like the barrel bread type lines and what are some of your favorites that you've had uh bloodlines or horses both yeah both. is there bloodlines that like you think you really get along with or tell us about some of those like favorite horses well, that's like so probably the best horse i've ever rode is a dash to fame, mm-hmm. and I know the worst horse I've ever rode is a dash to fame. Okay, <laughs> so it's kind of like Up they're kind of the they're individuals too. Yeah, it definitely helps when they're they're better bred, but there's definitely duds in every bunch and great ones in every bunch. But um, I think the first like barrel bred one. Well, I started riding for Robin Weaver that had the sucker punch and the stud and all mm-hmm. that. But um, she sent uh, a Frenchman's guy. And I thought he was great. He was, I remember, I, we, I can't remember she, what she paid for him, but not that much. And then she couldn't get along with him, and I got him, and I had him for a while. And I won some stuff on him, but he was hard to ride. 
remember sent somebody a video. I think we wanted like 20000 for him. And he said, look, and he won something. And he said, the guy said, well, that looks good, but send me another video where it doesn't look like it takes Jesus Christ to ride him. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think we ever got that video. But um, he's a Frenchman's guy up a first down dash mare, and God, he could run. He's a, like one of the fastest things I've ever sat on. That was probably the first like high like name brand horse I ever rode. And he was already trained when I got him. Yeah. But um, then I got a, she had a dash to fame that uh, it ran down the track and then the guy put it, it didn't, wasn't that fast on the track or something, sat in a stall for a while and from like May till October and then I got it to Maryland. I remember putting it in the round pen, chasing it around to see if it buck and then getting on it. And I remember picking the rein up and it just giving me its face and stepping over and just riding. It's like a late two-year-old. I was like, man, that's a dash to fame. I want all of them. And it was, she was a miserable horse to be around, but like she was mean. But man, she'd ride, and then, um, but Robin done her, and I knew Jolene was getting her, so I was just riding her for a little while, and then kind of started her on the barrels a little bit, and I remember in like December of her two-year-old year, I called Robin, said I, she needed to take her home, because I was scared I was going to screw her up, because she just did everything, but um, I think Jolene did, won some pretty good stuff on her, and then the next dash to fame, next one I got was a dash to fame, and that was Sucker Punch, and okay. I remember sitting on, getting on him at a was one of the weekend shows she brought him he was at the colt breaker for like 60 90 days and i remember getting on him and just pulling the rain i was like i've never felt that before but i think that was right and he was just he had that feel and um he was one that was really easy to train and just never wanted to do wrong and then a couple of years later i had that bad dash of fame but i thought they were all like i had them two that were just like supernatural yeah and i was like oh all no wonder these things win <laughs> But yeah, there's some definitely some bad ones out there. We always get questions, um, you know, especially for like trainers like yourselves that get to ride so many in so many different, you know, breedings. I mean, this year, like, I'm really impressed by your herd this year because you have a bunch of winners, but they're all kind of junior different. sires. Like, they're differently bred, and I feel like we don't really get to see some of those bloodlines get that chance because everybody wants, mm -hmm. you know, just the dash to fames or just, you know, the super super proven ones. Understand. I like, want them too. It's just got what same, I got. Right? <laughs> well, you saw the one I was on this morning. And that's, yeah. that's the first dash to fame filly I've got to ride. And I'm like, dang, no wonder people yeah, want these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, she can be really difficult on the ground too. Um, but I think it's just kind of like a general like statement of like what bloodlines people like and like you said they can be really good to ride on really suck on the ground mm -hmm. like it just depends on what you want to deal with like mm -hmm. what about you i don't it i kind of i don't know i go a little bit off try more like the horses i've done better with might not have been good bred or or good to look at but they they just tried like mm -hmm. tried totally figured it out um i don't know i mean Pretty much probably everything I've done good on has had fame somewhere on its papers. But most everything does now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you get colts in, do you care about their to see their papers before you get them? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want see. to, but... And now I'm trying to get more where I don't... I only take the better bred ones. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot easier. Yeah. And then I have a problem saying no to... If, but if it's a, like a good owner that I like and get along with, and like I'll try whatever they have too, because I can you can have the best bread stuff, and you have a bad owner, it just sucks. It ruins the whole. It'll ruin your rest of your herd too. Horse, yeah. yeah. Like you, because you're just stressed out about that owner, but like they're never happy either. 
you can have the best bread thing out there, but then, then when it, you don't realize it until it leaves, and it's like, oh my god, I feel so much Bigger better. Now. <laughs> so it's, I don't know that, but I definitely in the mares, I, like now, like years later, I'm seeing so much more. Like looking back on the horses that I rode to, it's the kind of the combination. Mm-hmm. The mares are like have so much to do with it. Like, well, Sucker Punch, he's um, his mother. What's her name? Honor me nonstop. Honor this nonstop. Honor this yep. nonstop. But she like so there was him. I think he was the first one, and then Folsom Prisoner was mm-hmm. another one, and then BQ on Buzz is another one. I didn't really like him. I trained him, but he didn't have that. He kind of had a more arrogant attitude, and me and him kind of clashed. And then, but Ryan took him and won a good bit on yeah. him. Yeah. And then um, the, the one Haley runs at, that that Kelsey, Kelsey had, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, Valentina. The v- VQ nonstop mm-hmm. sensor, yeah, right? That's that that mare. Mm-hmm. And then I have a three year old goodbye lane out of um that mother. Oh cool. And like gets well Reese, the girl that works for us, um I'll have her free ride horses for us too. And um one day I would took him out, worked him on the barrels and I mean he did everything I asked. I was only on him like five minutes. So, but he I thought he needs to still get out there mm-hmm. and ride. So I just gave him to her and said, Just take him out and out in the field and ride him. And then she comes back and she just talks about how incredible he feels. And like, you kind of forget that when you're on him all the time. But, and I feel like, I mean, obviously, Goodbye Lane's great. Yeah. And those other studs that those horses were out of, I just said were great. But um, just the difference, I mean, she can feel the difference. She rides a lot of the other colts. But just that, I think that bottom side makes such a big difference in them. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, you got to bring them to good studs. But, yeah, but when they have that mother, it can set them Mm -hmm. up a little bit more. You brought up a point about like that client trainer relationship. Like what are kind of your thoughts on that? One as far as like what a trainer can do to help that relationship and then also, I mean, we have owners that listen. Like what can an owner do to help their trainer also succeed? Um I think for the most part you got to realize that we don't do this for money. Mm-hmm. If we did, we'd work a lot we wouldn't have to work near as hard and we could make a lot more money. So we want to win. Yeah. So thinking we don't or thinking we're not trying hard enough is kind of that. A slap in the face. Yeah, it kind of irritates me when people think that. Or, But, um, and then I under, it's I know that when some people, I've had owners, like, I don't know how their finances, but you mm-hmm. kind of know who seems like they have a whole lot of money and who seems like they don't. And the money part doesn't bother me. Like, if you can't do it, I understand. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't buy the best bred horses. I get that. But we're going to do it the best we can with what you got. And you can't vet the horse, like, anytime it sneezes. I understand that. Or you can't do all this extra stuff. That stuff doesn't bother me. But when they know, like, when you're when you're both trying, mm-hmm. that's all I really look for in one. Like, one that appreciates you and, like, sees the work you're doing. It is great when you have that owner that like money's not an object it makes things way easier for sure but um the ones that has money's no object but then they're breathing down your neck about everything makes it hard yeah and i don't know as a trainer or i mean as a trainer for i mean what the owner or a trainer can do for the owner i don't know i'd have to be an owner to know like how (laughs) often do you communicate with your owners because like i see that sometimes that like people like won't send videos Mm -hmm. don't send updates Mm -hmm. and at at some part in the training process like we might feel in 
there's progress and then you watch mm. the video and you're like and it, it looks look the exact like same yeah. like two weeks <laughs> yeah. ago but like how how often do you t- like keep your owners in the loop um do you send them bad runs as well as good runs like what's that communication because i think new trainers coming into the industry like need to like start there mm. that's very dependent on the owner okay some owners don't want to see the bad and <laughs> some owners want to see the bad okay like the guy that owns a magnum the gray the mm-hmm. light gray joseph diaz he wants to see the shitty runs he's like yeah the great runs or whatever he's yeah. i want to see the terrible runs like what's and going what wrong and then yeah. he wants yeah. to know what's what are you doing to fix it yeah and it's not like he's questioning what you're doing he just wants to know yeah he just wants to know like he just loves the game yeah some owners don't want to see that they get nervous and they think like oh what are we going to do and then they start wanting to pull the plug it's it's really dependent on that like and to like he's different like and i can cuss his horse and i have a bad day and it's (laughs) he doesn't care yeah and like i mean it's a lot of times most owners you don't want to like cuss their horse to them um you know it's not it's just us having a bad day or both me and the horse having a bad day and yeah. like I don't know I'll tell you like Sucker Punch is probably the only horse I had that like I never felt like I really had a bad day old mister was <laughs> he's spot on <laughs> oh yeah like we had a lot of different days like, until you didn't and then yeah was... and then once it clicked August 16th of his three-year-old year it just <laughs> Good clicked days. and I'm like there it is what, what was it that made you remember that date I remember sending the video and then um the just the date on the top of the oh video. yeah that's <laughs> so funny that day yeah. <laughs> you knew yeah because it was like then i left from there to go to um out here to like the fall futurities that i was going to like when they had heber city and mm-hmm. um fizz bomb went and i can't remember what else i went to and gillette and or in ardmore but like i, so I exhibitioned them at all those and then by the time i got to ardmore like he like the video that i sent I know the one, uh, Robin's boyfriend, he was in the group text. He wasn't all that impressed with it. He's like, I don't think that looks that good. And I'm like, okay, but I feel Compared right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it didn't look that good, but I know what I felt. And then by the time I got to Ardmore, like maybe about a month later, what's that, the end of September? Yeah. So five weeks later, he would have been like third in the futurity with his exhibition time. Wow. Like he just. So you're like, I knew what I felt. Yeah. And then it was just. From there on, he never went backwards. Today's episode is brought to you by SmartPak. At SmartPak, they believe in healthy horses and happy riders. That's why they have everything you need from their convenient SmartPak's feeding system to thoughtfully designed supplements and new smart therapy products for your horse. Whatever you need, they've got you and your horse covered. To learn more, check them out at SmartPak.com. That's S-M-A-R-T-P-A-K dot com. Have a great ride. And, I mean, a lot of people, I don't think, realize, like, trainers earn a percentage of the winnings. And I know it varies depending on whatever deal everybody has. Um, We had a couple questions about that, but, like, that just goes into, like, trainers are obviously trying to win too like that that's where the income really comes Mm -hmm. in over just the training bill Mm -hmm. and you know i think people need to like realize that oh yeah we can barely pay our bills off training which right which we uh, yeah wait right now we own 18 of our own so that's a huge expense obviously for what our customer horses bring i think we have to like 
find a way to make sixty five hundred dollars yeah. a month. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe not that much with it is. But anyway, we like to not yeah. think about yeah. that too much. Yeah, but like, but, so I mean, we have to sell it, yeah. or win in like I think that's a, I hate selling horses. It's, but yeah, it's frustrating because people are like, why are you why are you selling your personal horses? Like, because we have to. We yeah. own eighteen of our own. We. But that's our goal. We just yeah. started owning and breeding a lot because that's how I feel like we can get ahead. Yeah. Is owning one and selling it big so you can pay stuff off or yeah and and i have to retire at some point and i didn't realize i'm getting old but i feel like now like i don't know i'm not that old but it feels that way well and i think it's good for like trainers coming in i mean they they need to think of that like for like the long-term mm-hmm. success of your program like you have to be able to fund it because your training bill you know a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. a month or whatever isn't really paying mm-hmm. anything when you it take in and you have to ride a lot. shavings and there's only so many yeah. hours in a day yeah. so it's like and you have to pay for a place yeah and, and then you start compromising the training tractor, part of yeah. it, you, it, it when we get too many we feel like it hurts the mm-hmm. horses that we have like yeah. you start rushing take... through them getting frustrated you know you've rode five and you have 20 more yeah, yeah. i've That's won hard. the most when i had the least really so but like, then it's scary paying your bills. Yeah, it's great if you're while you're winning, but when those horses, but you have if you to hit cycle a barrel. through. Wait, and you have to go through some numbers to find those great ones. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot. I will say, like this year, I have um, uh, a Mister out of um, this mare Desi. I ran both of them the same year, so I've ran the mother and the and the father, and um, that and the mother. They were both obviously Mister won a bunch. Desi was really good. She was a uh, famous bugs out of Pistoletta. Okay. XV or LK Watch Me Rock. Her name was XV Watch Me Rock. But um, she won. I think like 40 ish. Yeah, 30 or 40. And she had a fusing hawk from like. So Samantha called me one day randomly and I knew who she was, but I never talked to her before. And um, I was on the phone with her for a while and she's telling me all these horses she wants me to send. She's going to send me. And I get that all the time. Yeah. Like people say they're going to do this and then never happens. Yeah. And then um, like a month or so goes by and I hadn't heard anything from her. And then she calls me or texts me. She says, what's your address in Georgia? That guy's on. It's about an hour away. <laughs> <laughs> but she had told okay. me this this famous bugs out of Pistoletta that she was sending. She said it has a fuse and a hawk, but that, I guess that's her saying. Just ride through it and keep injecting it because the more you irritate it, the faster it fuses and that's all you can do. Yeah she had told me that and I forgot and then she didn't remind me which why would she she already told me <laughs> and um, I rode it for like four or five months and I brought it home from Georgia I was riding at Maryland I pulled it out and she was dragging her back leg and I said like, oh her stifle's locked and I was going to the vet the next day I said I'll just get them to blister it or score it or whatever I'll take her up there so I didn't think anything of it. it just looked like a locking stifle mm-hmm. to me so then I get her up there and like, um, her stifle's fine, but she's pretty lame in that hot. And I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then I called Samantha and she sent me the old x-rays that they had taken. And I'm not a vet, but look like, I was like, well, that's not good. <laughs> looks like somebody drew on it with a crown. <laughs> like, but, uh, but that was, so then the same deal, just, we would inject it and get her to use it. And then it fused a little bit more and then we inject it. And then, um, but anyway, uh, but that mare was awesome. She clocked with Mister as a three-year-old, like late three-year-old. Yeah. It was great. And then well, when Mister won Kinder, she was second. Yeah, I, I was first and second them, yeah. at Kinder mm-hmm. with Mister and her, and like she hit a barrel in the slot. Mister won the slot race with like a three-nine. It was like a high three, and I molested the second barrel with her, 
And like, when she, she started, when she would start to get sore, you wouldn't know until she would get short. Oh, okay. And then she got short, and I mean, she run over it pretty hard. <laughs> like, had to run around, and she was like a 5'2". But like, that mare was like phenomenal. And like, her bottom side is so good. There's Pistoletta, then mm-hmm. what Brittany ran that running at the bar. And mm-hmm. Then the mother of those was really good. But anyway, there's a bunch of good ones. But um, so I, this year I have a three-year-old that's um, by Mr. Out of Her. Two. You have two of them, mm-hmm. but the filly is just, and that's kind of the, and that's funny about how breeding is, because Samantha told me the mares are way easier than the geldings, mm-hmm. the geldings are kind of assholes, and that's how out this, of that maternal line, yeah, out of that, that mare side, which I wrote one, my stories get long, mm-hmm. but, no, no, I love it, <laughs> I wrote another one, one of the other ones that Samantha sent was, um, was it Alive and Firing, out of, oh, um, yeah. out of Pistolet's mm-hmm. mother, that Bugsy mare, and uh, like that married produced a bunch too he was an asshole like he was good but like he was the best if you he was turned out before i got him i think saber trained him and then he got hurt then um i don't know what happened in between but anyway i got him and then i started riding him and took him to one jackpot and he clocked pretty good like the first time he ever run in six months and i was like man this thing's pretty nice then bob put a jackpot on for me at um unadilla and it was a pretty tough jackpot like it was like 80 people just showed up on a Thursday. That's big for Georgia. Yeah. And Brett was there when he had a bunch of good ones and stuff and um, had like the gay bar casting over then. And I think I was like first and fourth because I was getting ready to go to the American. And I, that was fun when you had them. I was stacked. Like I had Sucker Punch, um, Misty, the Robin's Mayor, the Fab Mr. Fame that Jolene won so much on. Then him had one other. I don't remember. Is it stoning it or no? It might have been. I can't remember which Do you one. think when you have, like, that many good ones in the trailer, it almost, like, takes the pressure off? Oh, yeah. Because well, you're you just like, better. let's just go. Well, it's not just that. It makes you ride better. When you're on good ones, that take you to the spot mm-hmm. and turn the barrel. You ride so much better. Because mm-hmm. you're not riding defensive. You're not guarding. You're not starting to grab them and coming into the barrel and making sure their feet are in the right place. Or you just run into the backside and you're letting them turn. Yeah. And it makes you ride everything else confident. And, you know, you had mentioned about how, like, I mean, there's there's a deficit if you just talk about the money coming in from training, if you don't win. Like, how do you guys handle, like, the ups and downs mentally to stay sharp when you're competing when, I mean, it really does count to pay bills. Modelo? Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) So you should leave that in. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's it. That's it. Yeah. What do you do to, you know, keep sharp but not get stressed out because you have a truck payment to make or stuff like that? Yeah. I don't know. I usually if don't you've... tell him what the checkbook looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so go. then the stress is on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's... why are you so tense? Why are you riding so tight? Yeah. You just got to talk yourself out of it and not mm-hmm. think of it. Well, I think when you try to win, you lose. Okay. Like, you can't. Make it happen. Yeah, you can't go force a run or think, you. I got to do this to make this or whatever. You have to, like, just prepare as best you can and then let it happen yeah and you really i think you gotta i don't talk yourself out of it or just zone out i mean i think that's the truth like the best friends i've ever made and haven't even been like focused on Mm -hmm. the results it's just like 
Let's yeah, you just, just go run ride to our spots, yeah. like and then it turns Let out. Take over. You know, when you see people get like super nervous because they know they're on a good one, mm-hmm. and that's that's another question. You know, I want to ask like when you're on those good ones where you know people run to the fence to watch. Like, does that bother you at all, or was there a point at the, your career that it did bother you? And like, how did you kind of get over that? I'd say it still does. You just, especially when you're on the ones that like you know aren't super solid yet, but like. That um, that goodbye lane out now that Seeger's fast lane that mare is phenomenal, and like she had done some stuff like Marcy clocked really or Grant or Rail I'm sorry she ran a month's money on her mm-hmm. made some pretty good runs on her and then I guess they were moving and then that's when Marcy got her Marcy clocked a lot on her so we knew her because of that and then um, so I knew I was getting on a really good horse and but that mare will. Uh, she's aggressive. Like she's like Emily Wants horse to turn, form. Yeah. She's <laughs> like Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Strong hands. <laughs> and she will, she'll get in on you and um, just. It's almost like not even cut you off. Kind of. It's just like she just gets her like spot and she's the just. Turn, trying yeah. Too hard. She's mm-hmm. not trying to like screw you, but um. And then I clocked some decent times on her, and then she did really good at Parker County and like won a decent size jackpot. I think she broke the arena record there, and then like people come up to you like when you're running your good one or when you're running or did you bring that mayor or you, what, I can't that, remember somebody I can't remember said what they called her but they were like that mayor that mayor or yeah the mayor or something <laughs> like that but then it's it's hard on one like her because you know that she can like ring the bell hard but then also if you're if you miss your step then she's gonna make you look stupid yeah but at the end of the day you just don't you can't think about it. You kind of zone out when you're getting ready to run. Mm. You feel it come on. You kind of feel yourself getting a little bit tight, and then you just start thinking about something else that has nothing to do with horses or what I'm doing later. Just wipe it out. Yeah. I would ask what what your uh, something else was, but I might not want to <laughs> <laughs> Just to completely yeah. Yeah. mark it out. Um, I mean, for as many great horses that I feel like you've trained – You've also had a lot of success on horses that other people have trained too. How how does that work? Like getting on horses. I mean, and you've taken horses out of other people mm-hmm. have trained as well. Like when you guys get those finished horses, do you do anything to get with them, or do you just really try to just let them be the exact same and you just not get in their way? Like how do you get on those good horses and go win? Uh, it takes it's I don't know, it takes a while. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't know, most of them that I've gotten that way are, um, they're usually, I won't say they're doing something wrong, but they're not like, obviously there's a reason I got them, because mm-hmm. like they weren't, somebody that wasn't getting along with it or something, but like it, it takes me a while on those, I feel like, because I do feel like I change. They change, change a lot, but sometimes it feels like it takes so much longer than you yeah. would think. It it takes I don't know it takes a long time yeah like uh, but it's like um, I do feel like I change them try to change them to my style but it change I don't even really know what my style is but something that feels comfortable to me but um, and two and you're trying to win in the process I yeah. think that's why it takes it's harder because you're still trying to clock and be there to justify you having this horse mm-hmm. but still trying to change it for the that better. suit you not for the I don't know if it's I won't say the better because but to suit me better but mm-hmm. I mean it like Cornerstone he had clocked really good with Sarah and with um Kendall Owen with Sarah Zaleski that mm-hmm. trained him and stuff but um he was pretty hit or miss and he was like that for me for a long time like it 
it was probably six months before I felt confident on him. I think that's, I mean, important to share too, because I know so many people like buy a horse and just want to go to winning right away, which I mean, don't we all, but like, I mean, even for somebody that has trained so many and been on so many good winners, like it still takes time when somebody else put all the buttons onto them. Yeah. It's a like, constant work in progress. Like it's yeah. never like you're done. Like this horse is done getting, I feel like you're never done yeah, yeah. training technically. Like you're always trying to tweak them, get them a little better, mm -hmm. more confident work on something yeah and then just get them to feel the same way that you want them to feel like some people have you know like like one that kind of drops in then cuts back hard and i like one more level and round what's mm -hmm. it takes me a while to put that in them that make what feels comfortable for me yeah and then when especially a horse that's been running hard like when they go fast they kind of revert back to what they know so i feel like it takes a long time and just to figure them out, but what makes them happy and what doesn't. Thanks for tuning in. We are so grateful that Emily and Brandon took some time to sit down with us at the Colorado Classic. Don't forget to check out the Money Barrel on the Patreon app and subscribe today. There is more than 15 extra minutes with Brandon and Emily that you can listen to, plus more bonus content. A big thank you to this week's sponsor, SmartPack. Visit smartpack.com today to see how they can help you and your horse. That's S-M-A-R-T-P-A-K.com. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.